Welcome to a new episode of the podcast, everybody. I am your host, Frank, and you are tuning in to Through the Static, the Purpose Driven Podcast. So today I have the immense pleasure of having with me Zaina Garzuzzi. Uh, Zaina, do you want to say hi to our listeners? Hey, team. I'm very glad to be on. Very excited to share some of the great things I've learned in my career and maybe maybe avoid you some mistakes that I've done. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about where we met. So we've actually not known each other for a very long time, but it feels like we've known each other for a very long time because <laughs> yeah. we're really similar in the way that we, um, that we live our lives. And uh, so basically about three weeks ago, was it three weeks ago, the yeah. event? Um, yeah. I was I was brought into an event uh, by my mentor Ahun Puri. Shout out to Ahun! Thank you for this opportunity again. And this was an event done by Rogers, and it was like uh, your presentation, right? Yeah, with Jamie Benizri. Yeah, Jamie Benizri was uh, also there. Yes. Um, but you were the headpiece uh, of everything. You were the main speaker, and uh, you know I, I saw you talking. I saw you talking about your purpose, about your motivations, about everything that's changing within society. And I thought that you had a fascinating outlook about everything. And uh, that I had to have you on because obviously uh, this Women in Leadership series is super important to demystify, you know, the challenges that women face in the workplace and in general. And I really love the, the point, the points of view that you took throughout the talk and the tricks that you gave and the images that you put in my head. Um, I think that good storytellers become leaders because stories are relatable. Mm-hmm. And if you can dress up a story in the right way, uh, eventually you can bring in the right people. So uh, talk to us a little bit about you, uh, where you're from, uh, what do you do? Um, I know you have a full-time job and <laughs> you work, so you're a very productive person. How did you get to the point where you are now? Okay, so I was born in Beirut, Lebanon, and came to Canada over 35 years ago when I was really, really young. I didn't know the language, never seen the winter in my life. Um, I was born in Beirut, we went to live five years in Kuwait, and then we came here in the uh, beginning 80s. And so um, I, you know, I had to learn the language fairly quickly and adapt, just like any other typical immigrant. So there's no big story there. But I was, as I was growing, I always felt I needed to communicate something, and I didn't know what that was. But I knew like I was good at communicating. Through the years, I honed my skills and um, worked various jobs. Uh, I was full time at work, full time at university. Uh, I was also training in karate. I'm a second brown belt in karate. Really? Yeah, oh yeah. my god! Yeah, and so um, I entered SSC, and I did a bachelor's in marketing and international commerce. And I always felt I do much better in environments where people have a sense of progress, a sense of hope towards the future, and everybody wants to advance. I didn't do as well where there was like kind of a beat up uh, um, mentality about, you know, negative about everything. And I'm not talking about having a bad day. I'm talking about an overall environment. I started being aware of what type of environments I thrive in and I don't thrive in. And so I graduated from SSC and I worked in various jobs. So this is, the, this is actually the trend in the industry is we used to have one job for 25 years. Then in the 90s, you'd have six, you would change jobs six to nine times in your life. Today, that change, you will be changing six to nine times industries in, in which you work in a career. So I did customer service. I did, I was working in a calling center at Yves Rocher when I was younger. Then I was a marketing coordinator at Rockland Shopping Mall for the administration. After a couple of years, they asked me to become a, a specialty leasing um um, advisor or, or I told a manager where I was leasing for five years I was one of their their highest performer for the eastern region uh, after that at work at Sun Life as a senior uh, financial advisor 
Uh, I became a director there also, and then I went into mutual funds. And today, <laughs> wow, I know what a parkour. Yeah, so today I'm a I'm a uh, I'm a senior account manager for Soti. So it's a company that helps companies around the world manage their mobile devices, anything from any platform for a cell phone, a tablet, a kiosk that you have at McDonald's, you're ordering hamburgers, um, a point of sales, AR sets, anything like that. We do that. So that's what I do by day okay so that's that's like the the day job yeah and then there's the night job then there's this the is night another job. thing <laughs> okay so for the night job about seven years ago i started i was really good at storytelling and i started optimizing uh professionals linkedin profiles from all over the world so i had clients in europe and dubai canada u.s i had everybody from you know uh, uh, life coaches procreation clinic directors, data engineers, CEOs, oil tycoons, lawyers, uh, massage therapists, like you name it, consultants, I, I did that. And I liked taking meeting somebody, finding out what they're about and saying, all right, this is how I would position them. This is how I would build a compelling summary, a strong header, and make sure that their online reputation matches their offline reputation. And so when I started doing that, people were telling me like, hey, the people that are attracted to my profile are higher caliber or I'm getting noticed more often. So this kind of just came out of me trying to help a few friends and kind of became word of mouth where people were like, I have a friend in New Zealand who needs your help, you know. And from that stemmed, people tell me, like, well, you should give talks on what is the work landscape like today and what are people looking for and what's working and what's no longer working anymore. Mm, wow, that's so fascinating. And I find it amazing that uh, you found that um, by serendipity, right? It's just by Absolutely. moving along with who you are. And, but you need to know who you are. And I feel that that's super important because you are your brand. You, as Zena Garzuzzi, represent your brand. And since we switch industries so much, like a little piece of paper and a degree does not work as well as it used to it barely even it barely even works anymore so you have to brand yourself so how did you go about branding yourself learning to know yourself as an individual was it like a um, a thing that developed through time or was it like at one point you were like I know what I want to do I have a vision for the future or was it more like just moving along the road so that's a great question and it's a tough one it's literally a bit of everything so let me the first part the first part is you have to find the common thread in things. Now, I, pre I presented to you what I did in my career. They all have a common thread. They're all in sales or business development. They're all about taking something that maybe is not working that well and enhancing it. So you have to kind of take a bird's eye view and say, am I an optimizer? Do I enhance things? Do I like to build a new project from scratch and somebody else likes to take it? Do I like to take an existing project and like put it on steroids and make it explode and become better? Mm. So that's the first part. When you start noticing that and noticing yourself where you, you easily perform and it doesn't require as much effort as in other areas, that's an indication of what some of your strong suits. Uh, the other thing, as I always tell people, is people will tell you what your lane is. And that was the most counterintuitive um, advice I've ever gotten because I was like, hold on a second. You're supposed to know what your lane is. It's not people who tell you. But as I'm doing speaking engagements, people will come up to me at the end and say, you know, that part, we need to hear more of that. Or, you know, when you mentioned this, this is something that's groundbreaking. It's actually presented differently. And so when people started telling me that, I kind of 
fine-tuned what I was concentrating on and that really accelerated a lot of the things that happened after that okay so that's a great answer I have nothing to say uh, except that like you had to go through the motions and how did you how did you triage the feedback so basically you probably got a lot of feedback did you take all of the feedback together or did you select from different individuals that you knew wanted your progress because obviously you know like being in a public sphere you'll always get you'll always get feedback you'll get feedback from a wide variety of people but some of that feedback can be quote unquote negative but did you all did you take all feedback and is all feedback the same how do you how do you separate that that's a really good point no not all feedback is the same it's kind of like when you're looking for information for medical information or a doctor how do you choose you're looking for a bunch of things i like to call it the perfect storm that brings it all together so many elements who referred you What's the credentials of the person? How much experience do they have? It's a bunch of things you look at to take an opinion. And there are times where somebody is really doesn't have all the credentials, but they'll say something to you that instantly resonates with you. You just know you're like, damn, they just put their finger on something important that can change the way I speak or how I, what I put emphasis on. So it's really a bunch of stuff and it comes down that with experience, your instincts become really good on who's really blasé about life and giving you another tip and who really is like, you, you say like, act, it really makes you think and you end up stopping dead in your tracks when you have the right feedback. Yeah, that's definitely true. And you know what, like I made a post on LinkedIn last week talking mm -hmm. about that, uh, that like um, up to a certain point when people get successful in their business and they get like making hundreds of, hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars a year, they, they can get a certain ego and bring their ego at the, wherever they go, they bring yeah. their ego with them. And I think that um, seeing as business is moving so quickly, uh, you know that one business decision or one good idea can change absolutely everything, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And yeah. your awareness of that makes you absolutely approachable, but fearful. Uh, other people are, you're fearless, but other people are fearful of your ability to be fearless, you know? You're on the market and you're just showing who you are to the world, and I think that that's great, but it, it, it scares a lot of people at the same time, so it triages it a little bit that way also. Yeah, yeah, so, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I, I agree, and I think it, it's okay. We don't are not always looking to make everybody comfortable because people are at different phases in their life, and what scares them one year, two years later down the run, down the line, could be exactly what they need. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we talked about where you got the feedback, how you got your direction, where you're moving, and uh, the different stages that, that we had there. Um, talk to us a little bit about your day-to-day -day life. So you work from home, yeah. you work for big companies, yeah. and um, do you have like a very steady way of going about your day, uh, or does it change a lot? So basically, I've interviewed a ton of people. I've interviewed you know lawyers and CEOs and, and teachers and trainers, and some of them have like a very hectic schedule where they'll have clients and they need to tailor to mm -hmm. their client's time, and some have like a very rigid way of doing things. So it'll be like, I wake up at 5 a.m., I read the paper for two hours, I go see my client, I go to work from nine to five come back be with my kids you know so how does that work for you okay so for me personally I'm not extremely rigid but I still have to accomplish a few things in my day so you know if you and and in all of that you have your low days like everybody else where you think my god where am I even going I feel worthless I'm not on my game today and that happens to everybody I want to make it clear that that also happens to me I'm not like immune to this but in the morning, like uh, I'll give you an example. I'll wake up, have a good breakfast. 
Um, I'd like to put, I have a playlist on YouTube on sometimes it could be motivational videos or talks, whatever, that kind of run in the background as I'm um, preparing my breakfast. So it's running on my laptop and I can listen to it while I'm having breakfast. I feel it just helps me attack the day better. It sets the tone for the morning. Um, also, when I'm speaking to my client, I'm good and high energy. Um, I'm not blase, I'm not half asleep, I'm not, like I want them to feel they're being taken care of, there's action happening, we're moving along, if anything needs to escalate that needs to be escalated, I like to do that, so that helps me particularly. Now, if this is not what, how you're kind of wired, this kind of system might not work for you, but for me, it helps me. I also know if I have a hectic week, I need to sometimes just unwind in the evening on my own. I, I don't care if I'm like just having a you know, little supper, put some relaxing music in the background, I'm reading magazines, but I like to keep in the know and I like to keep motivated. And what helps me is reading, I don't care if it's on Instagram, seeing stuff on YouTube or Facebook, inspirational stories of how people are overcoming because we will never, we will never stop needing enough of that. We all have our days where like it doesn't look good on paper, it's not going to happen, I've worked hard, something can happen at the last minute. Uh, people, the experts, quote unquote, tell you, listen, if I was you, I'd quit right now. I've been in the industry for 35 years, it's not going to happen and it can happen for you. So I feel having this quote unquote repository of information that you know where to seek instead of waiting until you're down to go to these resources always having them kind of in your environment regularly helps me to kind of just stay on top and positive through the highs and lows mm -hmm. of life and career yeah absolutely that's fascinating and I think that a lot of businesses should a lot of good business decisions that that reap benefits happen after huge like valleys of yeah. like you know despair where you're like am i gonna make it am i gonna be able to do it and you know there are perfect examples of that so like we can talk about elon musk you know elon musk worth billions of dollars yeah. um he was <laughs> he was working with paypal and um i believe it was tesla at the time and uh he put all his money i believe it was 360 million dollars or something like that a lot of money and he, he went so much so to the point that he had to borrow money from his uh, from his friend to pay his rent wow. you know so that is putting all your chips in the same boat proverbially yeah. but at the same time it's trusting yourself with seeing the vision that it's going to work in the future and look where he is today you know but it just shows that if you're able to understand the, vo the different voices that are around you let them guide you but also know your lane and know that if you're going to do a project you're going to do it with everything you have you know i think that's really important and i see that in you and i think that it, again it comes down to the feedback some people you value their feedback but at the end of the day you're also your own person you know you need to make your own decisions for yourself because innovators don't come uh in big waves uh they they're the dark sheep of of the pack you know they're you have all the white sheep that are headed one direction and the little black sheep that's headed in the other direction i view myself like that you know like i've always been like that i'm always going to be like that i love challenging the grain and I think that's that's how leaders are formed. So what's your opinion on that? So I would tell you, uh, we're more and more open as a society for innovators and groundbreakers and people going like against the, the flow or the grain, as you said. We're open more and more now than before. Before it was just like you were rocking the boat. Now there is more of people like that who are rocking the boat. The other thing is we're living in a society that really appreciates and values the art of the comeback. 
so more and more if you've had a crappy like we've all had our years where it doesn't go well the project that's failed the the business relationship that we thought was just going to merge together and we were all going to make millions you know and all that sometimes it doesn't work out and that's great and that even makes it a more compelling part of your story the art of the comeback on how you fail and there is i don't want to swear there on the on the on the podcast but there is what they call now the f up nights oh yeah like the horrible nights where the everything that nights. could go wrong will yeah go so people meet up and they share everything that went wrong could go wrong and how they kind of overcame it and we're we've come to that point where it was like hush hush Keep it, you know, under wraps. Nobody need to know that big failure. Now people are just coming up. I'm like, let me tell you, it was really bad before it got better. And yeah. that's cool that we're there now as a society. Mm-hmm, absolutely. I, I feel that it comes with the opening up of society of like the different groups that have been marginalized in the past and that are able to express themselves. There's also the creativity of those groups that is expressed, obviously, with women, you know, having a bigger place in society and being able to innovate and bring, being able to bring like an overall better understanding of how to conduct business. I think that it has a lot to do with the trend of sustainability. I think it has a lot to do with the softening of society, uh, not only have, yeah, you know, exactly. top executive leaders mm-hmm. that are only men, uh, it not being a whole men's club all the time and I feel that's super beneficial you know and uh, more perspective is always better perspective in my opinion so let's talk a little bit about your leadership style so you mentioned that you were you were helped by different people um, but was there a point where you were like this is the type of leader I am and how did you pinpoint that like um, are there strengths and weaknesses that you have that you're aware of and you mentioned in your talk to capitalize on your strengths and not spend too much time on your weaknesses and I do I do see that point because I see that you know specificity is something to work with in our society if you want to do well you have to start doing well in a small uh, domain and then generalize to the bigger domain as you progress so how did you find that your strengths and your weaknesses so okay I'll start with the first part of your question which finding my leadership style that was actually the easiest thing if you really think about it because when you meet people or you see somebody a leader in action you either quickly identify with them or you don't and you kind of uh you know alluded to it at the beginning of this podcast you said like we have the same energy like you it didn't take you three hours 15 weeks and five years to figure this out when you meet people you you right away you're able to sense this is if i was a boss this is the type of boss i'd be how i'd give back to my employees you know keeping it classy with everybody and fair and having a heart and really taking things case by case so i did have some bosses that were like that that um, led with elegance, um, strength, um, were able to put their foot down when it needed to be f- put down. And kind of what I alluded in my talk was everything today in today's world is about two things, landscape and seasons. Understand the landscape you're in and what season you're in. Now, whatever made you a success from point A and B as a leader might make you, make you a complete failure from point B to C. So f- I'll give an example. Let's say I was at a company that was much more traditional, where the leadership was a traditional style. I am the boss. I tell you how to do it, when to do it, you know, all of this stuff. It was working well. People respected me, all of that. I go in today to 2018 to manage a group of 30 millennials. Well, that's not going to work that way. If I don't know how to adjust and understand the landscape, 
It doesn't work that way. Same thing with seasons. Sometimes you need a boss who has a big mouth, who moves and shakes things because the company's transforming. Sometimes you need somebody who's a bit more calmer. Just keep our head above water and keep us stable for the next three years. When you understand the landscape and the season, you're able to ease adapt more easily your leadership skills and what you put more at the forefront and what has to take a back seat. So that's the first part of the question. The second part you asked me, I think about... The uh, strengths and weaknesses. So basically, yeah. you talked about capitalizing on strengths yeah. because my question to you was, you know, how do you assess your weaknesses uh, as, a, as a leader, as a speaker, as a woman? Um, because I think that it's still important to do so. You know, I think that there is a big emphasis on, um, you know, the whole patriarchy argument uh, kind of pushing you down, which which I am totally aware of. But at the same time, you need to be able to assess yourself as an individual and be clear with yourself. This is something I need to work on. This is something I'm good at. And this is something I should specialize in, in the future. Yeah. So on that, I'll say um, your weaknesses, people have no trouble in your career telling you what they are. Trust me, you, you don't need to, to have deep, long, and beg for conversations. People, a lot of times, will have no problem coming up and telling you. The strength, I say capitalize on your strength for a couple of reasons. The strengths are what make you money. It's not your weaknesses. Okay? Makes sense. Get, become an expert at it. Get certified. When you have an expertise, it also helps you. It enables you to, in many cases not just doing that but other things but that's among of the components of going farther in your career uh, getting promoted um, sometimes getting a better salary so that really pushes you and they've noticed that the employees that are the happiest and they did this Gallup uh, research for 25 years with managers and it, it, they wrote a book about it that's called first break all the rules and it was that the more you push the strength the more motivated employees were, the more they excelled, the more they earned money over 25 years. And it's good to work on weaknesses, but you can't spend the bulk of your time on that. Mm. You know, because you end up, t that you, time we have all the same time. The five hours you spend always work on your weakness, which in some situations it's, it makes sense. But if you spend 80% of your time working on your weakness, that could have been 80% of your time that you're looking to hone that skill, sharpen your strength and all of that. This is what puts you a step ahead of others, how sharpened that strength and that skill is. Absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, when you, you were talking about flow state earlier is what is referred to. When you know when you're working on something and you just hit that point that like you just worked on it for three hours and it felt like 20 minutes you know yeah like that's that's the flow state that comes with aligning with your strength and for example i'll i'll, I'll throw out an example here um i was a uh, business technology major double major uh this semester had an application development class absolutely hated it absolutely mm -hmm. did not like it um but i knew i, I was telling myself like you got to do this this is this is something that'll bring you a job further. Like you'll be able to uh, stay relevant in the market. And uh, eventually, I was like, you know, I can't. Like, I after uh, doing an assignment and coding for like five hours, I was like, I was just sitting in front of my computer, completely defeated. I was like, why am I doing this to myself? I don't need to do this to myself. Mm -hmm. I need to find who I am, and I need to capitalize on the strengths that I already know I have. So I think that that's very relevant um, in from your talk. You know, it's really important to be. Uh, aware of who you are and work in that way because work will s you still need to work your pants off yeah but work will seem like less of a task than if you're doing something that you don't like 
I could tell you that like there's all been times where we had no choice we had to do a work that you know we to kind of pay the bills and that's fair okay especially if you have a family that's fair but in the long term if you stay for the long term in something you really really despise I always tell people your body will retaliate against you there's always a cost to that you your mind can keep saying go 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 at one point your you're gonna develop stuff that's gonna pop out of nowhere some health issue or whatever it is there's just gonna be a problem in the long term and your body retaliates against you so there's always a cost to that now you know I've done jobs where I'm like oh you know I was a cashier when I started then I want to be a cashier but it was my first job out of high school but I mean if you keep it up for many many years don't think that there's no cost to this absolutely absolutely and you see you really see it in people's eyes. I find like when you look in somebody's eyes and they have that spark, they're starry-eyed, they know where they're headed and they're full of dreams. Obviously it might have something to do with like, you know, being young and everything and, and being hopeful about the world and stuff. But I feel that like, I, I come across older people, adults, you know, like, and I see two different people. I see people that capitalized on their strengths, went the way that they needed to go and still have that spark. You know, they still have that thing in their eyes. Like you, like, like Ahun, like all my mentors that they know who they are and they moved with that. And then there's the people, the people who are like, again, stayed with that cashier job for 30 years, been working at Maxi for 30 years, um, pretty unhappy people. And you see that, you see like the physicality of it. You see that they have weight on their yeah, shoulders, exactly. the bags under their eyes, they're dragging their feet. And you know, like that's really, I feel bad for those people. Um, you know, it hurts me, but at the same time, I know that that's not the type of person I want to be. So that's not the type of person that I should hang out with, you know, because you're the average of the five people that you do yeah. spend the most time with, right? So I just feel that that's very telling and you can definitely see it physically. So definitely true. Um, okay, so there's a differentiation to be made between weaknesses and self-imposed limitations. Um, okay, so basically self-imposed limitations are societal um, concepts that have been pushed on you mm -hmm. and uh, weaknesses are actual things that you can that you can work on to get better um, so there's the that again that whole argument about the patriarchy like oppressing women not giving them enough you know opportunity not giving them enough leadership and uh, I find it interesting the way that you speak about uh, you know reacting to that because there's two ways you know there's the people uh, the people who are who are marginalized that think that becoming a man is in the workplace is going to make it all leave like they're if they fit the profile of a man they're going to be able to um they're going to be able to pass all the limitations that society imposed on them but you're to the contrary you you double down on the fact that you're that you're a woman that you're a powerful woman and that you have female energy and that you use that energy talk to us a little bit about that so okay so to recap a little bit is um, when i first uh, gave my talk the the talk the theme was women in power and what I told about people is I go, I wasn't comfortable initially with that title. I never wanted to be a woman of power. I wanted to be a woman of impact. I'm not looking for titles or anything like that. And what I said, and I had told you know the, the organizers, I just want to tell you my story so I understand where I'm coming from, so people understand why I think that way. The way I was brought up was not, you too can do that, go show them. That, that sentence was not pronounced in my home. It was, go do it go up the mountain not because you're a girl not because you have to prove something and I emphasize that why because we have to the gender aspect was never put in our minds when we were younger in my household 
Um, nobody ever told us any of this stuff. It was just like, go perform, go do it. And all the only two things my parents emphasized were two things. Be a person of character and do your absolute best to deliver a result of caliber. And so I come into this society here where all we keep telling the girls, and I tell people, be careful what you communicate to the, your nieces, your daughters, you know, uh, young women, is always like, you two, go prove to them. Like, they're born not knowing there's, there's a There's already difference. the separation if you say You're, Yeah, there's already a separation. We have to be careful with that because sometimes we put ideas in their mind that were never there initially. Now, having said that, uh, the times where I didn't get what I wanted in my career, and I find sometimes, not always, because there's different cases, we blame our gender very quickly. And the times I didn't get stuff, I wasn't, maybe my argumentation was ill-prepared, my file, I didn't know it as well, I didn't position myself properly. There was a lot of things that were to my detriment that I didn't know, and I learned and I moved on. And that's why maybe I didn't get certain position or opportunities. It's not always because I'm a woman. And I find some cases, not all, and I want to really specify that because there there is cases where the gender plays a role for whatever Absolutely. situation somebody went in. But there's other cases you can't just keep saying, I'm a woman, that's why I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah, that, It's not fair and it's not always true. Mm-hmm. And you have to come to a point where you look at yourself and say, was I really the best candidate? Was I really that prepared? Was I, w- did I have the valuable experience? Did I sell myself properly? And if you didn't, well, you have a role to play in that. And so that's why I prepared people in the audience to be fair and just show a different side to the whole, you know, women and men in society. The other thing is play your role at your best. Everybody has feminine and masculine energy and you need it anywhere at a negotiation table. When you start being something you're not, your environment will retaliate against you when you're something you're not, not when you're something that you are. So I find when we look at men, we're like, hey, this is working for men. Let me just embody being a man and that's going to go great and all my problems will go away. That doesn't always happen. When you play to your energy, like feminine energy can dissuade, can convince differently. Sometimes with softness and when you take a step back and say, I'm going to wait until the dust settles. I'm going to go talk to the main influencer and try to see where they're coming from and if I can change their mind, you can do it with not much the same strength that a man uses. But a man's strength can be very useful in many situations. And I think that when we stop looking at one is bad, one is stronger, one is better, we can all come together at the table. The second you see someone, is, you view it as stronger or weaker, everybody is like up in arms, everybody is on the defensive mode. You need it for every situation. Sometimes you need masculine energy, sometimes you need feminine, and they do stuff differently. And the best way I can give you the best metaphor is water. Water can come in solid form as ice. It can be steam or it can be liquid. What does steam do? Steam can literally annihilate any stain and, and disinfect any surface. Water through a flood can destroy countries. Ice can solidify and put its its place and preserve something like meat, like a you know like a like the a fridge or like the uh, the the not the fridge the um, the congelator. Oh, the, the congelator. Sorry. <laughs> oh well, well. The look, freezer. We're French sorry. English, yeah, yeah. So we talk in French the and freezer. English. So <laughs> the freezer. So if 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 steam tries to go become solid very quickly, it becomes slush. Slush is not um, doesn't help you with anything. No, and we know that with the winners in Montreal. Yeah, exactly. Slush <laughs> doesn't do anything for you. 
if if under each form you did your best and you're like okay i'm ice you know i'm steam i'm liquid you know how to operate with what you really are at your core that helps you have more effect in certain situations mm -hmm. you can't need all three of them in all situations but maybe one situation needs in this metaphor steam another situation needs ice another situation needs water that's the way i see if we can just flow and know what we do best yeah like I can be a strong personality and people will tell me that, but some of the biggest influences I've had were in the background where nobody saw with softness, with a conversation I had with somebody that calmed things down. It was right, not in the bright lights, it was behind the scenes. Mm, that's so interesting. And I think that uh, even Bruce Lee uses that metaphor about oh, okay. water. Okay. He talks about that water can fit any container as well and that it, it can crash uh, you know with the big waves and it can it can have the capacity to destroy but it also has the capacity to give life you know yeah um, and it is transparent as well so there's a lot of properties to water that is super fascinating and I find that like you know um, as a corporation or as a leader you can become water you can become water to the degree that you're able to separate and to get into ice or to get into like you know that that crashing wave yeah. or that steam uh, you just have to be able to to work your strengths and maybe you spend more time as ice and less time as steam but you have to know how it works with your leadership style but at the same time you can't let like for me example I'm, I have a very strong masculine en energy and it's very like I have a lot of character and it shows but with time I learned to really work on that and you know kind of soften that a little bit because if you take up too much space there's no breathing air for anybody else you know there, there you can't just be the centerpiece all the time you have to share room with people to to grow right everything is about adjustments and that's exactly what you're saying everything is about little tweaks people think they need to have these big transformations and completely change themselves you don't everything is about tweaking so the example i give is a plane that leaves new york that wants to go to la if the pilot touches nothing and it's not on autopilot 50 percent of the time it's going in the wrong direction because the pilot tweaks along the way and readjusts the plane lands in la we're all like that. We just need to do little tweaks. And that's what really positions us strongly and makes us perform better in a situation. When we're saying, okay, let me just tweak this. That's it. You don't need to, you know, people I think are like stressed, like they need to completely change themselves and transform. No, you just tweak a few little things here and adjust and you'll see reactions really quickly. A little tweak can have a really big ripple effect. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. And um, obviously, knowing why you are who you are is very important as well in your leadership skills, in knowing which direction you're going and in cradling that, that you know, sense of purpose. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that. We're going to talk about all the images that you put in our heads, uh, all the storytelling, all the examples that you use are super, super precise and hold what you want to say very well. Um, but you came up with those examples through practice, but you, also through your personal branding, right? So how did you build your personal brand and how did you find your why? Um, yeah. Well, the why was the hardest because I thought I knew it and it was very vague. I was like, I want to be a public speaker. Why? I don't know because I have stuff to say and I, I thought that was very vague. You do have stuff to say. I know. <laughs> I do. But I felt I needed to be more specific and it took me kind of years and I think what I really do best is... I take material, I synthesize it, and when I, comp 
I, I, when I communicate it in a compelling way, it leads people to action. It leads people to actually, in a minute, change completely the way they think. That sounds really, it could sound fluffy or it can sound, well, it's not really a big deal. Changing somebody who's been thinking the same way for 30, 40 years and having them right then and there change the way they think about something is a seismic it's shift. A, it's huge. And I feel that I have the same type of leadership where it's the dis- it's the dissemination of information because I feel that since we live in a society that's very uh, narrow in, in terms of like the domain through which you operate, we need the people that have that specificity to relay the information to the other people in, in the general public, you know? And I feel that's really important in stuff like science and, and, uh, and other opportunities. Even politics. Yeah, I politics think if we well. learned how to... Com- to, to if we learn how to communicate in a more compelling way instead of always just an alarming way there's some big you know there's some big projects that are happening that we should be more shocked about that they're not happening and it's being communicated to us and not many people are feeling always compelled to jump on and i'm thinking why and i love studying i love studying public speakers who's really good at it who's compelling you know yeah and i think that like we said there a majority of projects that are happening but the problem is that there's the media is throwing so much volume out there nowadays that it's hard to differentiate in all that noise and you know what I'm pretty convinced that you can change people's minds but ultimately like 99% of the time they change their own mind yeah uh, you know they decide to adopt a new lifestyle they decide to adopt a new ideology and you can guide them through that by providing them examples and you know what like this is what I'm doing with the podcast I don't tell them this is what you have to do because I know this and I, I'm X. Yeah. Um, I'm tell, I tell them, look, this is what I did. This is the mouthpiece of the interview. This is an industry professional. Let them talk and then they listen and they're like, okay, like I really think this relates, this relates uh, A, B, C in my life. And that's why I'm deciding me to change that thought process or that thought pattern, you know? Yeah. And people are becoming more and more open to that, which is we we live in very opportunistic times. We live in, there's so much opportunity, like you're doing this podcast at home, you're doing your own kind of radio show, people producing movies at home. The tools we have today to produce a result that's very professional and very um, polished, we, like we couldn't have dreamed of that stuff. But in the same token, there's, there's uh, reactions that can be very quick. So let's say me or anybody else, somebody says something completely shocking and staggering. Let me tell you, this is going to be, this is online. This is going to, somebody's going to pick it up and there's going to be impact to what I say very quickly. It could be positive or negative impact. Definitely. And I think that uh, it's really important to get both because uh, you're not always going to have positive impact. And when you have negative impact, you need to know why am I having negative impact? Why are the people that I'm talking to uh, being adversely affected by what I'm saying? And, and that guides your, your leadership in the long run. And I think that's very important. So this is the last question. <laughs> We're going to talk about uh, all those images you put in our heads, mm-hmm. um, the examples you use, uh, the stories you tell. How do you come up with them? Um, do you think about it and it's just like, oh, hey, like he mentioned... I'm taking this uh, image from a YouTube video I was listening to last morning and I'm putting it into, into perspective because all good public speakers have uh, go-to um, metaphors and images that they put in their, in their listeners' head. I don't know if you, if you do yeah, that. Yeah, so I love this question. 
I'm a voracious um, reader and capture of information. It could be an image that I heard a pastor say. It could be um, watching an animal planet show and they were talking something about an animal and there's a power struggle and I'm like, wow, that's a metaphor a little bit to what happens in the workplace. It could be um, a study I read on psychology. It could be uh, something, an innovative startup that's doing something with people in, I don't know, uh, Sweden. It could be anything like that. And I learned that why, because that's what my, how my brain functions. I can get information in a structured way. I rarely read a book like in one shot. I'm reading three, four books simultaneously. I'll read like 30, 40 pages, one, put it down, continue 30, 40 pages on the other, because that jump from one thing to another keeps my brain alive and makes connections between ideas that if I just stick to one thing, it wouldn't make it. Mm. And that's part of knowing yourself. What type of environment do you thrive in? How do you learn? Some people, they need to concentrate on one thing at a time, and that's fair, and that's cool if it works for you. Mm -hmm. I'm not like that. I like to have many things happening at the same time, and then I come up with these ideas with like, how'd you come up with this? I make something in the medical field that has to do with a retail field that I learned about in augmented field, and I mix all three ideas. I'm like, hey, what if we did it this way? Mm. And so I like taking that and sharing it with people, and that's kind of my own little flavor, you know, of yeah, how yeah. I bring things to the table. That's your branding. That's yeah. who you are as a person. And I find that super cool that you, uh, you read a lot of different types of books, too. So um, you touch a lot of different books. So... What type of books are you reading right now? Um, one of them is called How You Fascinate uh, by Sally Hogshead. I follow her on LinkedIn. I love it. One of them is um, Tool of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Tim, what I a love great Tim Ferriss. book. Okay, so what a my, great book. My big thing is I try to hack anything. I can always think we could do something quicker, better, more effectively. People are like, no, you need to spend the time and you, the sweat and, and blood, sweat and tears to really get it. I'm like, I always find there's a way. So if I'm at work and there's a procedure, I'm going to create a cheat sheet that starts being used. If I, There is always a way to hack something and to do it quicker and better. Mm. Not just quicker and badly performed quicker and better so yeah. i love reading tools about what you know books about what's up and coming how are people hacking the system how did people get something but you need to put the effort like once yes. i tell you what the formula is if you're not putting Still the effort do it. it doesn't matter absolutely. if it's a hack you absolutely know? but that's the type of stuff i love yeah that's amazing and i think that it, it's interesting because tim he does a lot of self-help books yeah but he's also a great author great public speaker and i think that he delineates uh the, ch the societal change that's happening it's sort of a, always a battle between uh old blood and new blood yeah and new blood bringing innovation yeah. and i feel that it's especially bad now because there's all this like bureaucracy that's instilled in like the business world and like th there's no mobility and like there's no up down it's just like very rigid and then there's the millennials who just show up and are just like yeah well i don't want to work 30 years for a company uh you know i want to move around i want to have agility and I, they bring innovation but they bring innovation at a pace that's so quick that's really hard for the other uh side to adapt that is an amazing point. And I'll tell you to that, I, I was hearing the podcast of Gary Vee, and he was saying that in the last fiscal year, 96% of Fortune 500 companies lost market share. That is a big red flag. We are coming to a point where those old and new, old and young, and call it whatever you want, 
but it's they're hitting like a they're 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 hitting it's kind of like the titanic it's gonna hit the iceberg and if these companies don't adapt there's gonna be major shifts and changes and it doesn't mean that millennials also don't need to adapt Mm. We, you know, everybody's got to kind of put, you know, their water in their wine a little bit and kind of meet at the table, both of them, because <laughs> yeah. we are kind of also, there's this talk about, you know, just adapt to millennials. No, no, millennials also have to adapt, just mm. like the companies. They yeah, have to course. kind of meet in the middle. But I, like, there's a lot of big companies that are probably going to lay off people, and we're going to probably hear from them by the end of this year in the two weeks or beginning of January at staggering rates. Because it's not adapting quickly. We're hiring CEOs for five years, and if in one year there's trouble, we're ready to pay them out and say next because you can lose market share at a staggering pace. We're living in times that are very highly reactive. We can't give you five years to figure it out. You might put us underwater in under two and a half years. We might have to lay off 10,000 people. So if you're not able to do something as a new CEO or head or in charge in about a year or so, and at least start a progress or something that's shifting with you. Companies are saying, you know, sayonara, next. We can't afford to keep you around. It's moving too quickly. Mm, that's so true. And I think it's true uh, mobilization of the workforce as well. You know, now we can work from home. We can work on our phones. We can work pretty much everywhere. The, the, the era of just like, you know, everybody on the metro go to work at 9 a.m., come back at 5 p.m. It's not there anymore, and I feel that it's moving quickly, but it's also, uh, they're laying off a lot of people because they can automate a lot of the work, you know? Like, a lot of the basic work that we could not automate in the past is being replaced, and the that whole thing is moving so quickly, um, and we're not being kept up to date with it, that it's like an exchange of, how do we, like, the whole workforce needs to adapt, but then there's the, the exchange of information between the younger generation and the older generation where the younger generation has to adapt and work uh, the processes that they bring with innovation, but the old generation has to adopt the innovation. So it's kind of like if both can't communicate between each other, they're, they're just going to get the rug like pulled under them and just going to be like, well, we don't need you anymore. Like we're already automating all our processes. You that's, know? that's very true. The other thing that's happening is, uh, you know, adults are living longer with their parents okay the stress of earning is not always there sometimes it is it's not all but it's not always there the other thing multi-level marketing also is one of the trends that kind of came in and some people have their own businesses from home and so remove all of these thousands of people that are no longer on the workforce with all that being said with which with, with what you just said said there's a lot of retail, let's say in the United States, they are desperate and looking for people. I don't care if you're McDonald's, they're desperate, Starbucks, looking for people and there's not enough people to have them work there because there's so other op there's many other options of working from home. You know, it, you know, like me, if I'm doing a LinkedIn profile, I'm earning money through that. If I'm doing talking gigs in a university at a networking event, at a private club or a lunch and learn, this is an opportunity for me to earn money that I no longer have to go and get a second job if I need an income. So all of that is shifting things and these thousands of people are no longer on the workforce. So now they're like, the, we still need people. Even if you automate things, you still need people. Mm -hmm. Maybe less than before, but you still need them. That's causing a really big shift where Absolutely. retailers, they don't know anymore how to react. They don't know what what little uh, you know incentive they can give you. Re now there's um, 
companies that are saying, okay, we're going to help you to repay back your student loan. We're going to put these programs that never existed before are, are put in place to try to create a new crowd of people and attract them to companies to come and work for them. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, th I find it very fascinating. And that's why I was hesitating so much when I was like doing my BTM. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I should do this and do something. Maybe I, I like less or, you know, capitalize on what I like. And I decided to go uh, the latter way. And we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Hopefully <laughs> it goes in the right direction. Yeah. But um, all right. So that was the second segment. Uh, that was all the questions I had, which you answered phenomenally. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really honored. I'm really honored you invited me. Um, what are you talking about? No, I'm honored. No, when, I, when I met you, honestly, you you were uh, such a go-getter. You said, I'm going to contact you. I'd love to put you on my podcast. And I hear that so often. And people, you know, don't follow up, and it's okay. But I thought I was really impressed with like your ethic of really following up and and making sure you, you know, you booked and you sent me the information I need to have. And I, that's all a testament to your work ethic. And trust me, this will serve you anywhere you go. So I'm really honored you. Oh, it's so today. awesome Thank that you. I'm able to reach people like you yeah. too. You know what I mean? And like just during the break, I have like ten podcasts already planned. So I am not <laughs> slowing down. Everybody, you're gonna hear me for a little while. So better get used to it. <laughs> so. Third segment, this is where it's resource-based. We're gonna talk about what you give in terms of uh, product. Uh, you're a LinkedIn optimizer. You're also like a speaker. Yeah. So um, talk to us a little bit about the branding. Talk to us a little bit about the future plans for Zena Connect. So right now for the LinkedIn optimizers, I have clients from all over the world that say, listen, I, I don't know what's so special about me. I don't know how to write my LinkedIn up and everything. So I meet with them for an hour and a half. So that could be through Skype, Zoom, WhatsApp, whatever, or in person if they're in Montreal. And I sit down, I'm like, okay, tell me your career story. And there's, everybody thinks they, and now the fear of everybody's like, listen, I've done many different things. I'm going to look like I'm all over the place. I'm like, no, 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 tell me your story. When they tell me their story, there's always a common thread across the board that they don't see. And I like to then say, okay, how am I going to position them? So I want to say that because they did A, B, and C, D is what they bring today to the table. This is how they're wired. This is the environment they thrive in. These are the accolades they got because of the values that they have. And the easiest way I can explain this to you is, you know when you watch the Olympics and the States, the America is really great at this, is they'll take a random athlete you've never heard of. It could be somebody from their country or in another country. And they do this compelling two-minute bio right before the competition starts you know it could be like this guy Mustafa he trained in poverty and didn't have the means and then the the papers weren't sent on time for the Olympic Committee and all these highs and lows that the guy went through and by the time they're done you're sitting there in the in your living room rooting you're like go Mustafa <laughs> go you know you didn't know the guy two minutes ago yeah. that's what I want to do for people when I do the LinkedIn so when you read somebody's LinkedIn you're like wow I need to connect with this person there's a lot of awesomeness with the people I meet that they don't see and I love that part of my job because I get to see it for them and say this is what's so amazing and fascinating about you this is the stuff that you don't see are exceptional about you and we can position it that's my favorite part. So then people said, well, can you do resumes? So I started doing resumes and people said, listen, I got called back for a job quicker or I got an interview or I have a lot of testimonials even on my own LinkedIn where, you know, like people said, like, I can't believe I got this job in under two weeks or or this big position I thought I wasn't going to get. But people actually noticed me because of my LinkedIn and a recruiter reached out to me. That brings it just brings happiness to my heart. Honestly, nothing more than that. It just like. 
I feel it's a gift I have for storytelling. I can use it in a good way. And once people have more earning power or they finally get a job and they can help sustain their family, that's just gold to me. Everything else is just a cherry on the Sunday. That's gold to me. Wow. Amazing. And then from that, there was a few times where I was asked to talk. And now the talks I'm giving is how to future-proof your career. Understand it's 2018, 2019. What does the landscape look like? What skills you need that will take you farther? And what skills that right now are not needed? And stop capitalizing everything on those skills. Understanding the landscape and the seasons position you in a stronger way to put your best foot forward at work instead of trying everything which is exhausting. Mm. You focus on a few key things that you already have and then you become really fascinating. So you're already fascinating, you just need to unlearn how to be boring. Mm, that's very true. Well said. Thank you. All right, so question, my last question is, do you know any resources that can help women trying to find a light in the darkness that have had like bad experiences in the workforce and uh, you know they're in a bad place and they're trying to get better but they don't know where to go obviously they can reach out to you yeah they can reach out to me anytime on linkedin zena garzuzzi you can find me there on zenaconnects.com um you know what to be very honest with you i can tell you 99 percent of the time these women already have somebody in their environment that they haven't reached out to mm. but because they're in the dark place they they you know you don't see when you're in a dark place and your head is down you don't see the opportunity sometimes an opportunity is right in front of you and because your head is down you can't see it if you put your head up suddenly there's like three five options that are there so there's people already in their network that they can go have coffee with and say listen somebody they trust they feel comfortable with they have um, respect for and say listen I'm going through a tough time this is how I'm stuck you know, um, I don't know if you can help me or you know somebody, has this ever happened to you? How did you get out of it? We, you know, unless you never network, and I really tell people always network, never network when you need it because it's a desperation. When you network when you need it, it's desperation doesn't smell good on anybody. Yeah, and we can see it from a mile away. Always expose yourself to new people, to new elements, situations. You never know. Maybe that person can help you three years down the line. Maybe they can help you next month. Maybe they can become a new mentor. But staying at home, being the best kept secret hidden in a cave is not helping anybody. Mm it's not helping anybody so to expose yourself to meet new people that's very helpful but people who tell me like i have nobody i have nobody and then i'm like well do you have friends do you network do you go out do you no well listen if you want to hibernate don't expect to have visitors come at your home absolutely because we're social we're social beings at yeah. the base you know we thrive on talking to others, communicating with others, learning about other people's story. And, you know, I think that reintroducing a notion of interest for other people and, like, decentralizing yourself from it and trying to um, migrate that uh, looking at yourself to other people, discovering them, seeing their stories, is what makes you grow, really. Absolutely, and you can find information that you would never find on the net. You can, 80% of jobs available are not posted online. You can have somebody at a company, at Bombardier, at Air Canada, would tell you, hey, we have an opening, I think you might be a right fit, let me call a few people and see what I can do. If you're at home, you would have never found out about this. There's intel that you get when you network. The intel's all around you, you just haven't actioned it. You know, it's like if you if you have all these, um, you have Disneyland and you have, you know, water slides and like all of this stuff is around you, you just haven't went to them 
they've always been there but you just keep saying to yourself no 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 there's nobody that's not always true but when we're in a hard time and it's happened to me i get it that you see things in a you know dark light and there's no opportunities nobody wants to help you there's no people it's a tough world i get it you can have a hard time just don't park there yeah exactly. forever yeah because you might stay there for a longer yeah. while than you need to yeah right all right so we covered the past <laughs> we looked at the present and we looked at the future um i just wanted to thank you so much for thank being you. on this episode do you have like last minute comments you want to say um somebody once asked me you know if you can go back to when you were younger what would you tell yourself um there would be a couple of things number one trust your instincts about people when i was younger and i had like i'd call them a judgment judgment call about somebody i was judged often by saying well you don't give people a chance you should get to know them and in the end i was actually right and i really regret some things just because I, my, my instinct about people was accurate and I wish I trusted it more often even when I was younger. The other thing is even when things look hard, uh, life has a way, call it what you want, life, God, whatever it is you believe in, has a way of putting some really big gems on your path that help you or open doors. And it, it's not always hard and tough. There's really people who care out there, who want to help, who want to reach out. and. Um, and who who's always willing to give back so it's not always like a dog eat dog world and it's so easy to go in a cynical a blase there is a lot of people who want to help way more than you think and i wish i could tell my younger self just relax the right people will come into your life at the right time you're going to be okay and that's my parting words for this lovely podcast absolutely thank absolutely. you thank you everybody for tuning in i am absolutely so happy to have your ears and your hearts on this show this is what i love doing i love talking to people i love learning and i love sharing my experiences with all, with all you people i'm going to do this for the rest of my <laughs> life i'm convinced of it and thank you for joining me on the adventure so um thank in you. all good time have a good day people thank you see you on the next episode Bye bye